privilege it is um, to be able to spend a little bit of the last day of 2023 with you, and um, what a wonderful um, thing that we get to do is to worship together in this last day.
Good morning. Welcome to New Life Church. My name is Kevin DeWold, and I have the privilege of being your host this morning. Um, kids, if you are ages 3 to 5 or grades 1 to 5, come on down. Please take a seat here at the front step. You will be continuing to worship downstairs this morning, but before you head down, we want to pray a blessing over you. And if you are serving in Little Lights or Kids Church this morning, please also come down. Uh, parents, you can bring your children downstairs, or you can let our leaders uh, help them after the prayer. I don't know if you guys saw, if you were here last Sunday, the Christmas Eve service. Wasn't that nativity uh, uh, play the kids did? Wasn't that awesome? That was amazing. Kids, kids, you guys did a great job. I'm kind of secretly looking around to see if uh, Spider-Man and Batman are going to come down. I'm sure they're here, you know, right? But actually, yeah, um, got a secret identity, right? Um, so don't really know exactly who they are. Got to keep that, that persona incognito there, a secret identity. And no straggling animals either. Looks like the bears and the lions and the flamingos all went back to their natural habitat. Um, but that was amazing. Kids, you guys did a great job last week. All right, congregation, please extend a hand over these kids and let's pray. Your Father in heaven, we just thank you for, for all these kids um, here with us this morning that you have blessed us with, these treasures, um, this church, present, and future, Lord. Uh, we pray that you will just watch over them and bless them this morning. Bless the leaders as they just share your, uh, your love um, for them, to them. Um, as they continue to worship on, uh, downstairs. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, uh, kids, little lights, leaders, you exit to the left. Kids, church, and leaders, you exit on the right. Have a good morning downstairs. All right, we are so happy that you're here with us today, whether this is your first time, your hundredth time, or your one thousandth time. Sorry, there's no prizes um, for that. Unless, though, this is your first time, then we do have a gift for you. Um, there is a Connect card in the seats in front of you. If this is your first time, please uh, fill one out. And if you bring it to the info booth in the foyer, then uh, there will be a gift for you as well. But we're all happy, very happy that you're here this morning. Uh, and if you're online this morning... Um, Again, please feel free to connect uh, with those uh, online as well, the messages. You're welcome. Well, I think we should. I don't know if you were able to make, again, last Sunday's Christmas Eve service or the Christmas Day morning service here that we had, if you're able to make one or both of those. But, you know, we want to really give a big thank you um, to all those involved um, in, those, in those two services last weekend. So our gratitude to all those who played a role in the services, your valuable contributions don't go unnoticed. That was amazing. We came to both, um, just loved them both uh, in there. And so we appreciate the numerous volunteers who dedicated the time and effort. Special thanks to the worship teams, the choir, the organization, the sound and media personnel. We couldn't do it without you either. Nursery helpers, greeters, um, those who handed out candies and candy canes, those who made coffee and cleaned up. Um, the stage setup and design, you know, as well. Um, all those who participated in the acting and singing and dancing, and there's probably, probably more. So many people uh, involved, and it was, it was awesome. We were blessed. I know as a family, we were blessed by the services, so thank you. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was amazing. All right, so let's just close our eyes um, just for a minute and let's pretend we are on the South Pacific island of Kiribati because then I can technically say, Happy New Year! Because <laughs> we're at New Year there, right? All right, well, a little more seriously. Um, on behalf of the Board of Elders, and, and I'm, I have the privilege of serving as the chair of the Board of Elders, we want to extend uh, a Happy New Year to you all um, and hope that uh, you have a blessed New Year. Uh, as a board, too, we're just excited for the future of this church community as we look to share the good news uh, to those around us and as we look to, to care for each other in community as well. Uh, we're very excited for the future and there. Which kind of leads me into, then into the offering today. The offering is for the Missions Fund. And New Life uh, Church here supports four missionaries and six missions partners um, here in our own community, uh, in BC, also in Central America, South America, Africa, the Middle East. Um, more details, there's, there's a missions board in the foyer next to the info booth. Take a look for more details about who those missionaries and mission partners are. Um, but all part of it, just sharing of the good news, the message of, of hope and love um, that God has for, for the world in there. So you can give your offerings electronically in the ways listed on the screen. Um, or you can bring it into one of the offering boxes that are at the front during the fellowship time. Left and the right there should be uh, in there. You can also um, do electronically, like I mentioned. Uh, but if you do, please include your full name and gift designation in the memo line of your e-transfer if you do it through the New Life app. If it's not designated, then it goes to uh, just to the general budget. So if you want to designate it for missions fund, please put that in there. All right, let's pray for the offering. Dear Father, we just bring these gifts um, that you have blessed us with, bring them forward back to you and, um, as an offering. And we pray that you'll multiply these gifts, that we use them to share your message of truth, hope, love, salvation to the world. May this all be done, Father, just to glorify your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now let's take our three-minute fellowship time. And during this time, I just want to encourage you to meet someone new. You can give your offering during this time if you're bringing it to the front here. And if you need an icebreaker question, maybe you can ask your neighbor, what was your highlight from 2023? Thanks for having me.
All right. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I don't know if I should mention this or not, because then you'll... If I, if I mention this, you might judge what I was doing while, I was, while we were worshiping, but my mind got to thinking about these brand new carpet tiles, and a couple of these tiles actually look like UPC, UPC codes, I think that's what you call them, like grocery store codes. And I wonder if you actually take a UPC scanner and you scan it, what product would actually... I was concentrating during worship, I was, but just that, that thought came to me um, this morning. <laughs> What's that? Have <laughs> oh, you heard that? It's, it's the re- it tells you the replacement cost of the tile if you spill coffee on it. <laughs> We've all thought that, I'm sure, over the last couple of weeks. But they do look great. It's awesome. Good morning, everyone. My name is uh, Kunrad Bugelink, and it's a pleasure to um, bring the word this morning. You may think I look remarkably similar to Professor um, Stinkelmeyer but it's just that we look the same. Um, I've actually thought about preaching today, and I think there's a regular pattern of me preaching on this Sunday or uh, the first Sunday in January, typically. So I think this message that I'm preaching today is probably like part five of a five-part series on Matthew chapter two. So... Um, I'm not actually going to read the whole chapter, um, so there's an invitation to go back and check out the other parts if you like. Um, But of course, we have the gift of Scripture, and so today we can actually, uh, with our families, if you are so led, um, read the entire uh, entirety of Matthew chapter 2. Let's pray, and then we'll dive in this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to your voice and your direction as we step into a new year this year. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness in 2023 and how we've been able to see that. I pray, Lord, that you would just meet us in um, these reflections this morning. In your name we pray. And everybody together said? Amen. Amen. Okay. The title of this morning's message is God Directs Our Journey. Uh, Today is New Year's Eve. Next Sunday will be the day after Epiphany, because Epiphany is January 6th. And so I'm kind of straddling those two realities this morning as we unpack um, some specific areas of Matthew chapter 2. But I want to start this morning by asking this question. Have you ever gotten lost while driving? Yeah, I'm hearing the murmurs. Okay, now I want to add to that question, because you're probably thinking of a specific moment in time. But, you know, so much has changed in our lifetime. So now I'm going to add add a a reality to that question. Have you ever gotten lost while driving while using GPS? Because that's a whole different ball of wax. See, Ezra, my son, and I have been driving around this um, past fall uh, around the lower mainland in the Fraser Valley, 
um, looking for the soccer fields that he needs to play at. Uh, and there's lots of community parks. And every time when we leave Abbotsford, we punch the coordinates or the address into GPS. Uh, and we follow them, and it, it brings us to the community park, but sometimes community parks are rather large, and it brings us to the opposite side of the community park from where we actually need to be. And then so you have to reprogram a rough address to where the actual soccer field is to actually maneuver your way around it, because not all parks are rectangular or square. So it got me thinking about GPS. GPS stands for Global Positioning System, and simply put, GPS... Uh, uses a live satellite technology and determines our position on the Earth and directs us to where we want to end up using live traffic estimates and what we assume to be updated maps to determine the most direct route to get to our um, desired location. And I wonder if with GPS, us men driving have had to hear a lot less of, honey, could you just pull over and just ask for directions. And maybe now more men are saying, well, honey, I'm, this is where TomTom Tom is telling us to go. So good old Garmin's leading the way. Maybe. I want to share with you the wisdom of a park ranger in Death Valley, California named Charlie Callaghan. Each summer in Death Valley, a quarter of a million tourists pry themselves from their air-conditioned cars and venture into the 120-degree heat to snap pictures of the glittering salt flats of Death Valley. They come from all over the world, but all of them have the same traveling companion suction cup to their dashboard, their GPS. But when dozens of abandoned dirt roads lie between you and that destination, things can actually get pretty tricky. That's what Donna Cooper of Pahrump, Nevada, discovered last July on a day trip to Death Valley. After a long day, Cooper and her family asked Nell, that's the pet name they gave their GPS, for the shortest route back home. Please proceed to the highlighted route, Nell said. We've all heard that voice speaking to us. But what came next did not compute the GPS told them, or Nell, told them to go 550 feet ahead and then turn right. Well, at 550 feet, it was a little path. And then Nell said, go a quarter of a mile and turn left. And there was nothing there. She had me turning in circles for hours and hours, Cooper said. Death Valley Ranger Charlie Callaghan says that Cooper's not the only visitor who's relied on GPS and gotten seriously lost. It happens a couple of times a year in Death Valley now. And they'll usually volunteer it themselves. You know, it's like GPS told me. Tom Tom said I had to go here, Callaghan says. I get this. A search and rescue helicopter found Cooper's family after three days of being lost in Death Valley in the 120-degree heat of the day. Everyone survived, thankfully, except for Nell. <laughs> That's not what Cooper was calling her by then. She had a few choice names for her. Yet, Cooper has not lost faith in GPS, just Nell. She has a new one now called Rosie, and she likes it when Rosie says, you have arrived. Ranger Charlie tells us that Death Valley got its name because of the harsh desert environment claiming the lives of many early gold rush uh, explorers that wanted to take a shortcut 
to the California gold rush. And the problem of chasing the elusive shortcut still poses the same problem in Death Valley today. It's just that back then, someone had a paper map with a highlighted shortcut and thought that this would be a great idea. Today, maybe too many of us believe without a doubt that TomTom has our best interest at heart. Ranger, Ranger Charlie suggests that we still need to be guided by that little voice in the back of our mind that wonders if the directions we're actually following are a good idea. So men, maybe the voice of our wives in the passenger seat, maybe they are that voice. <laughs> nah! <laughs> Just kidding, it probably is, honey. In chapter 2 of the book of Matthew, we are also introduced to a prompting, directing voice. The voice of the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, directs and guides a number of the characters of the Christmas story in and around Bethlehem. The difference is that these are trustworthy directions. The result is that The wise men, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, though they are directed by God's prompting, end up in places that they never imagined that they would have ended up being in and arriving in. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 6. 1 through 6. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, In the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. So the gospel writer tells us that wise men, magi, came from the east because they had seen a star announcing the birth of the newborn king of the Jews, the Messiah. Which wasn't just a a Jewish reality, it was known throughout that area, that the Jews were anticipating the arrival of this Messiah. And God used a star to lead these men to the newborn king that would be the savior of the world. Gentile astronomers were led by God to Bethlehem through Jerusalem by a star. They followed God's directions via starlight and night travel, and it took them to the lowliest of little towns in a hill country surrounded by a megacity. And we know of this dwarfing Jerusalem versus Bethlehem comparison because of the prophecy of Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. It was a small town. For out of you will come a ruler to shepherd Israel. Bethlehem is known throughout history as a little town. These eastern Gentile wise men were led there to a random house where a little toddler named Jesus lived with his nondescript, non-herald-worthy parents, guided by God's star. 
a bright ball of gas that specifically pinpointed that nondescript house in that small unknown town of Bethlehem. And I wonder if the wise men had second thoughts. Can this be right? And the star is here. But would a newborn king, would the expected Jewish Messiah be born in a place like this, in the shadow of the city that houses all of the palaces? But there was no mistake with God's GPS. As unlikely as it might have seemed to the wise men to be, that same star that appeared to them in the east appeared in the Bethlehem sky and hovered over that house. And why? For what reason did they come all of that way? So that these wise men could honor and worship the newborn king of the Jews. I wonder if like the wise men, you found yourself worshiping God in an unlikely place in 2023. I'll just share two examples of what I've reflected on in 2023. This year, God directed me to a small room in hospice where along with friends, we mourned the final moments of a dear friend's life on earth. And in the same moment, we praised God for the beautiful, amazing moments we shared with this sister in Christ. Tears of sadness infused with tears of gratitude for what God had done in and through her life. Not something I thought 2023 would look like. But a real moment. A hard moment of worship. Earlier this year in my office, I was attempting a restorative conversation with a young man who seemed stubbornly bent on refusing to admit that he had done anything wrong to his friends. Then in a moment, I can only explain as God's spirit directing him He changed course and with tears of regret admitted what he had done. I'm not sure if you've ever witnessed that. Somebody bent on on seeing things this way and in a matter of seconds changing course 180 degrees. I sat in awe of the Holy Spirit's work and together the two of us prayed and gave thanks for the Holy Spirit's convicting work and his renewing work in us. I was certainly not expecting that when I walked into my office and flicked on the lights that day. So for a moment now, I'm going to do this three times this morning, for a moment now, I want to invite you to ponder where God has directed you to worship him in 2023. Where did you encounter God and give him praise when you least expected to encounter him in that place or in that situation. Just take a moment. Just think about where is that unlikely, unexpected place that you worship God in You're thinking of something, I hope. 
can you do me a favor? Can you please share that story with someone this week, tonight, tomorrow, if it's appropriate to share that story? Because I believe that God leads us into places where we encounter people who need to hear those kinds of stories from us. Now, as we sit on the doorstep of 2024, let me pray for our eyes to be opened for those moments that we are directed towards worship that might seem unexpected at first. So join me in prayer. Lord, we admit fully that you work in this world in such mysterious ways. There are moments we encounter you and it's a complete shock to us that you are present and actively at work and then with hindsight we offer you the praise you are due. Then Lord, there are moments that we see your work in this world with abundant clarity and yet our will does not bow down in worship of you. Lord, as we step into this new year, fill us with an expectation that you will lead us and direct us in our worship. Lead us when we feel ready to be led, and lead us even if we don't feel ready. Just as you used a big, bold light to shine a light on your work in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, would you please shine a big, bold light on those unexpected places you want us to see that you are doing your redemptive work. Then, Lord, at the recognition of your work, soften our hard hearts so that we submit to you in worship and service. Amen. Let's look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15. The escape to Egypt. When they had gone, an angel, that means the magi, the wise men, had gone. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son. As the wise men leave, God directs Joseph in an angelic dream directs him to go to Egypt. And Joseph and Mary have all the expensive gifts from the Magi, and now they have the means to travel to escape the tragedy that is about to descend on that sleepy little town of Bethlehem. God's provision for Joseph, Mary, and Jesus' safety is underway. So Joseph and his family will travel to Egypt to escape the tyrannical reign of Herod. They have to flee that area. So the tragedy that befell any child aged two years or younger in Bethlehem did not mean that Jesus would be necessarily safe in any area outside of Bethlehem. So to put it in terms like this, let's imagine that Herod was ruler in Abbotsford. His palace was in Abbotsford. And if Mary and Joseph had heard about this threat, um, it wouldn't be wise for them to say, okay, well, this is Abbotsford, Bethlehem. We'll just go to Langley or Surrey, and we'll be safe there. No. They had to leave the geopolitical boundary because Herod could not and would not reach into Egypt to get his clutches on Jesus because Herod had complete control of southern Judea. It is interesting then that the 
In the Old Testament, God's people are rescued from the Egyptian pharaoh, a ruthless ruler, and they are brought out of the land of Egypt. And in the opening sequence of the New Testament, the Son of God is brought into Egypt to escape the clutches of an evil Jewish king. This, of course, is to fulfill Hosea's prophecy that out of Egypt I will call my son. And that young Jesus' return back into Israel, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, this will be the second time in history that God's child is called out of Egypt. In the Old Testament, Israel is God's child called out of Egypt. In the New Testament, Jesus, God's own son, is called out of Egypt. And for a time, this is God's plan. God directs Joseph and Mary and Jesus to go to Egypt for a year? Scholars believe it would have been less than two years that Joseph and his family stayed sheltered in Egypt. They would likely have found a community among the Jewish settlers in Egypt, as both the Old Testament and New Testament reference God's people living in Egypt as foreigners in those days. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty certain this is not what Joseph and Mary thought as they started their family out together. Uprooting from Nazareth because of a census, settling in a temporary shelter in Bethlehem during the census, the arrival of Jesus and the visitors, and then settling into a home, likely with family in Bethlehem, and now uprooting from Bethlehem because of safety concerns. What an upheaval. Go, stay, go, stay, go, stay. Put it in our terms. Living in Abbotsford, getting called to go to Calgary, renting a basement suite, then settling into a home. Something's not going right. Having to move into the United States, now being called back. Things don't feel right in Calgary, and then coming back home to Abbotsford. It was true that life back then was more nomadic than perhaps our life today, but there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Mary and Joseph did not fit the pattern of the then typically normal nomadic lifestyle. We see that acted out in their staying in Nazareth. Go, stay, was God's plan. It was God's amazing plan of salvation for this world. It's part of the Christmas story that doesn't appear on Christmas cards. And no surprise, it doesn't get sung about in Christmas carols. Yet Joseph's obedience to God's direction is a critical part of God's son arriving on this earth. Because this was God's long ago prophesied plan. God was in absolute control, even if there may have been times where Joseph and Mary didn't understand it. And the reason for the escape to Egypt is Herod's tyranny. Because of sin and brokenness, God's rescue plan was set in motion in this way. And what we see in Scripture is Joseph's total obedience to God's direction in the face of difficult circumstances that were outside of his control. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus did not deserve this. But here they were. So for just a moment, I want to invite you to ponder where God has called you to be obedient and to follow his direction in the face of circumstances you had no control over in 2023. Maybe it sounds like this. 
Because this happened, God led us into this space, into this reality. Yet I can see his hand in this. Just think back in 2023. Can you pick up that story thread in your last 365 days? And can you do me a favor again? If appropriate, share that story with someone tonight, tomorrow, or this week. As we sit here on the doorstep of 2024, let me pray for our eyes to be opened for those moments that God might be directing us to be obedient in the face of the circumstances that are beyond our control in 2024. Let's pray together. Lord, we admit fully that you work in this world in such mysterious ways. We may have stepped into 2023 with many plans and ideas of what life would look like this past year. And yet various circumstances outside of our control led us into unexpected and unanticipated places. Some of those places were and are hard, Lord. And even today it may be difficult to see how your direction, Lord, makes any sense. Lord, we know you meet us in our struggle, in our doubt, and in our fear. Lord, give us the strength, the trust, and the faith to walk this journey that you have directed us to walk. As we look toward a new year, Lord, reveal to us your trustworthiness and your faithfulness so that when unexpected circumstances come, we have the faith and the wisdom to be obedient to your direction. Thank you, Lord, for the evidence of your faithfulness in Scripture. We thank you for the evidence of your faithfulness in our own lifetime. Lord, we are grateful for your leading and direction in this next year. Amen. Finally, we'll turn to Matthew chapter 2, verses 19 to 23. The return to Nazareth. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream. Notice how similar that is to verses 13. Okay. An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother and went into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called the Nazarene. So after another angelic dream, Joseph is told to go, it is safe to go back to Israel. And again, Joseph immediately obeys. Now you've heard me talk about how brutal Herod was. If you remember probably a year ago today, I talked about Herod and his infamous pool party where he had his brother-in-law killed, making it look like an accident in the pool. Let me share another example of his ruthlessness. And this could very well have been something that was kind of a push and another reason for Joseph to flee to Egypt in the first place. See, Herod was sick and frail well before his death. He knew his death would not be mourned by the Jews because of the kind of ruler that he was, a ruthless dictator. And he could not handle the Jewish people not mourning his death. 
So these were his death wishes. His death wishes were that they would round up all the Jewish prisoners, take them to the palace. Many of those Jewish prisoners were political prisoners, differences of opinion with the Roman Empire, and that they would all be put to death on the day that he died at the palace so that the Jews would have reason to mourn that Herod. Fortunately, no one acted on this insane request at his death. He was the very definition of a megalomaniac. But now he's dead, and the immediate threat to Jesus' life was over. So now Joseph and Mary and Jesus leave Egypt and make that trek back into Israel. And it's thought that they would have returned for some time at least to Bethlehem, where they had last lived and Joseph had family. And both scripture and history tell us that Joseph was uneasy with the political climate in Judea. This is because of Herod's son, Archelaus. Archelaus was the Roman ethnarch then after his death. So he is the ruler of an ethnic people, the ethnic people or the Jewish people in Judea. At that time, history tells us that Archelaus had close to 3,000 Jewish priests and leaders killed because of an earlier revolt that took place over the removal of a Roman eagle statue that was intentionally hung by the Roman uh, Empire above the Jewish temple, which, of course, created an uproar, created years of riots and revolts. And Archelaus figured that ending it all would need something memorable. So he killed close to 3,000 Jewish priests and leaders at around that time. This event is likely what stoked Joseph's fear about remaining in the area. And yet the angel said, those who would take the child's life are dead. It is possible that Jesus could have been totally safe in Bethlehem. But at the same time, we read that Joseph was afraid to remain there in Bethlehem. God knows Joseph's concern and then confirms in a dream a decision to take Mary and Jesus into Galilee, which makes sense because both Mary and Joseph had family and community in Nazareth. But more importantly is the reality that it was said by the prophet Isaiah that Jesus would be held in low esteem, and that is exactly what the disciple Nathaniel says when he says, can anything good come from Nazareth? I know at least two good things that came from Nazareth. Jesus... And my son was born in a little town called Nazareth in Ethiopia, and he came from there. So I know at least two great things have come from Nazareth. But what better place to lay low than a place with low esteem like Nazareth? You see, Bethlehem also, because of the Jerusalem-Bethlehem kind of analogy, was also a place of low esteem, maybe geopolitically, but not prophetically. Bethlehem had major significance prophetically. So Nazareth is God's will. And we see in this passage that God directs his people by wisdom and confirmation. God has given us the ability to be sensitive and aware of the world around us. Joseph had his ear to the ground. He paid attention to what was happening politically in Judea and felt a regard for his family's safety. Yet earthly wisdom alone is not what prompts Joseph's action. His actions stem from 
God's affirmation in a dream. Note that the angel does not appear in this dream as in Joseph's other dreams that he's had. This means that Joseph's affirmation was different from the other directives, yet obviously still part of God's plan. So for the last time, for just a moment, I want to invite you to ponder where God has directed you through wisdom and discernment this past year. What were those things you were considering and weighing and maybe even worried about that took you to God in prayer this last year? Maybe it sounds like this. I was worried about this. We were having to deal with this, and God revealed this to me. God led me here. Decision you had to make, a weighted decision, where you had to rely on God for clarity. Just think about that for a moment. So this morning, we've been led into three moments of reflection to pick up a story thread of God's direction this past year. Again, if there's an opportunity and it's appropriate, I invite you to share that with someone this week. Now, as we sit here on the doorstep of 2024, let me pray for our eyes to be open for those moments that God might be directing us through our own thoughts and moments of discernment where we have to depend on him for clarity. Join with me in prayer. Lord, we admit fully that you work in this world in such mysterious ways. We can see how you have directed us when we were sensitive to your spirit at work in us. You have directed us as we observed our daily circumstances playing out around us. Thank you for the spirit of discernment in us. As we move into this next year, we ask, Lord, that you guide us with your spirit. Help us to be aware that our wisdom is not simply from our own experience. Yet, we thank you for working through our human observations and our human sensitivities. Lord, direct them this year so that we act and respond to the circumstances of our lives the way that you want us to be directed. Lead us so that, we, so that we respond to our changing world the way that you would have us respond. Amen. As we close our service this morning, Matthew chapter 2 is God's GPS voice for us as we step into 2024. He's asking us this morning to please proceed to the highlighted route. He will direct our worship in 2024. He will direct us through our circumstances. And he will direct us with godly wisdom. As we close in singing the blessing this morning, I invite you to hold on to those story threads and find a moment um, today 
tomorrow, this week, where you can share those with others. Because it's pretty amazing. As I was writing this message, I just was thinking of the lives of so many of my New Life family, you. Just thinking of how many story threads there are in this community of God's faithfulness. And it hasn't been easy. But I hope and pray that you'll be able to look for it 2024 and trust not because we're amazing people but because we serve an amazing God let's sing together
step into the last few hours of 2023, receive God's blessing this morning. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give, him, give you his sweet shalom in 2024. And all for God's people said, Amen. Happy New Year. Thank you.